630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. From the second bedroom of Wilkie's house to my office in the basement. Yes, I'm in the basement. I have nowhere else to do the show, really. I could do it from my dining room table. Then you'd hear the kids yell and scream. And I could do it from my garage and freeze my butt off and have all of my computer stuff, you know, fry. Well, it wouldn't fry. It would freeze. In the summer, it would have fried. Because at one point, I was doing my on-air work in my vehicle when the pandemic started. It's Dave Campbell, by the way, in for Reed Wilkins this week. Uh, nice to be here. Uh, and then I moved to the garage you know, outside there. And then uh, it got too hot around uh, late May, early June. So I said, we got to move to the basement. So I'm in my uh, very green and gold splashed Edmonton football team themed uh, basement. And uh, it works out pretty, pretty well. So thank you very much for uh, joining me tonight. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this week. Wilkie will be back a week from uh, tonight. So on the show we will discuss uh, a few topics. Uh, we will give you the NHL news uh, very, very shortly. Uh, tonight is the last uh, Double E Coaches show with Scott Milanovic, hosted by Morley Scott at 7.30. Uh, last for this segment. We'll have it back uh, early in 2021 as we get ready for a 2021 CFL season. But tonight we'll talk... Uh, We'll talk a, a number of subjects with Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst here on uh, Edmonton Football Broadcast here on 630. Chad, we'll also hear from Ken Reed, former uh, sports anchor here in Edmonton. He's a sports anchor for Sportsnet Central, a pretty darn good author and a hockey card guru. And we'll talk about the Wayne Gretzky card that was sold last week for almost $1.3 million. And we'll talk about uh, his mental health journey. He's uh, come out, Ken has uh, come out and said, uh, talked about his mental health journey, which is very courageous, and I applaud him for that. And um, we'll talk about the fact that getting a little busier in the sports world, and uh, we'll uh, we'll touch on that as well. So, and before I get going here, I want to thank everyone who came out to volunteer for Six Thirty Ched Santa's Anonymous, and we did it, and it was a lot different this year, a lot different. Where. You know, normally what happens, and I, I've had the pleasure of going to the depot for the last number of years and, and doing the uh, live updates on how long the line is to get into the parking lot at our depot and how long the line is to get into the warehouse as well and explain that you need your driver's license and you need a valid proof of insurance and, you know, you get set up with the dispatchers where you want to deliver to the city, how many packages, and the porters bring them to your car. Well, obviously with COVID, I couldn't do that this year. Uh, so you have to actually have a have your uh, time booked online. And it was pretty slick, uh, you know, looking at everything that happened on on the last couple of days where uh, you have the dispatchers helping the porters get the porters getting the gifts out to the families uh, who was delivering to the other families and who or, you know, whoever it was, it, you know, it, the great thing about delivery day is whether it's just yourself, whether it's uh, and obviously this year, it's you got to kind of restrict it to uh, what well, you do have to restrict it to your own household. So if it's four of you, if it's one, two. Um, you know, it was very well run by Peter Plazier. So, and Peter runs a very slick operation, uh, always at the, uh, at the Santa's Anonymous Depot. So thank you so much for helping out. Uh, great job by Landon Nordland, who is, uh, stepping down as executive director after uh, a number of years. I think it's been like 10, 12, maybe longer. Sorry, Landon, if I'm messing up your tenure. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You did it again and, uh, 20,000. 
uh, kids wake up Christmas morning uh, with something to open. So thank you very, very much for your support for 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. All right. To text or to call, you can, it's one number, 780-496-0063. The NHL news from today. Chris Johnson from Sportsnet. We had him on last week. Uh, Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic. Uh, both basically reporting the same thing. The talks are continuing that January 13th is still the target date. And obviously today it is December 14th. So things got to start moving. John Shannon, NHL insider, uh, longtime sports and NHL broadcast executive on Oilers Now Today with Bob Stoffer, uh, Bob Stoffer gave the update on what the latest is with the negotiations for a return to play between the league and the players. There's a real hope that something can happen this week. Um, timing becomes the issue when you consider still that if you if you have to return to Canada and to certain states that you have to quarantine for 14 days before you can get started. So if you start doing the math, it's the 14th today. Uh, if you travel home, uh, you, you, you have to be in position by the end of the month to start training camp. I, I still think that they're, they're trying to get to the 13th of January uh, with a 56-game uh, schedule. Uh, but uh, I was told uh, late last week that this would, this would be a busy week and trying to get everything done and, and put in place, and I, I fully expect that that's what will happen. And interesting on the weekend, uh, saw the report that Evan Bouchard, who's been playing in Sweden, Joachim Nygaard as well, and uh, uh, Thomas Lenstrom, who's been playing in Sweden, uh, they have been told to come back. I saw an article from Chris Johnson today saying that Joe Thornton, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf center, who has been playing with HC Davos in the Swiss League, has been told to come back. So here you are. You got players coming back to North America to quarantine and you have a lot of players that are in Europe that have to do that anyway. So John Shannon talked about what the structure of training camp will be like. Above and beyond the, the COVID protocols, which are going to be a serious issue, you know, you have to wonder what's going on uh, beyond the rosters. You know, like baseball went and put uh, alternate market groups together because there was no AAA baseball, no AA baseball. Well, you know, the, the East Coast League has started up on a limited basis, but right now, uh, we don't even know when the American League is going to start. February 4th was the last day that I was told that they right. were considering starting. So, but we don't, that's not a guarantee either. That was when, that was when the, 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 you know, the pandemic numbers were half of what they are now. So I think the question becomes is how do you stock the players and the people to fill the injuries? And I think that's a discussion point. And, and let me ask you this, Bob, and I think this is a key question. Those people, if there's not an American League team to join, and they, these, these players that are put in a, a satellite situation to play games against each other, are they on NHL contracts? Are they on minor league contracts? How do, you, how do you discuss that? So I think that there's a ton of stuff like that that is yet to be determined, which I think is one of the reasons why, uh, why we haven't heard uh, definitive dates, because I think they're trying to button down every aspect of this uh, before uh, they make an announcement. So it really feels like there's just so much to figure out here. And, and this was a lot like what happened in June when they fin were finalizing the return to play for the Stanley Cup playoffs with the 24 teams in the bubbles of, well, at the time, for the longest time in June, um, that was the most speculated uh, bit of news about 
the return to play is where where would it be? Then it was going to be in Vancouver, Vegas, and then the numbers kept spiking. I mean, compared to now, I mean, it, we talk about spiking numbers back then. It's not even close to what it is now. But um, you see leagues all across North America and Europe around the world that they're trying to push through this. And overall, it's it's hasn't been perfect. It never will be. Uh, the NFL's found a way. The Major League Baseball found a way. Uh, you look at the soccer leagues, the hockey leagues over in Europe, they're, they're finding a way. Um, but now do you play in temporary bubbles? Do you play in short-term bubbles? Do you go and play two weeks and then you're off for a week and go to another location? Or do you just let everyone fly? And then you test regularly and you're going to have a taxi squad. You're going to have an expanded roster, but it's a good point that John Shannon made. What do you do with um, the the players that are on your, you know, the extra players who, I mean, we don't know when the American Hockey League is going to start. Hopefully it's next month. Uh, the Western Hockey League, for example, uh, they're, they're holding a meeting tomorrow about when they're going to play. Is January 8th going to be their new target date or still their target date is going to be a new target date? But you got all these players that are, you know, don't have minor league affiliate or they have minor league affiliations, just where do they play? So it's interesting what John brought up is, you know, do you have this satellite league where, you know, you, you have these teams that are playing each other and just to kind of stay fresh and stay sharp. And when you get the call, cause you got to remember then the border is going to be an issue. So I don't think the Canadian teams in the Canadian division are going to want their players to be playing in the States and then having to quarantine for who knows how long. So that, that all, so much stuff has to be figured out, but they're hammering it out. And there's still a possibility that we're going to get a, uh, a vote from the NHL Board of Governors and from the National Hockey League Players Association Executive Board. So that's still possible. So they're hammering away at this big time now where two weeks ago it just seemed like no one's talking. Gary Bettman's not talking to Donald Fear and vice versa, but uh, it's been uh, at a pretty breakneck pace. Uh, for the last, uh, I'd say, 10 days to, to two weeks now. The World Junior Hockey Championship slated to uh, begin in Edmonton. Officially on Christmas Day, Canada set to open against Germany on Boxing Day. The preliminary games uh, will be from the 20th to the 23rd. All the teams, including Canada, are now in the bubble uh, beside Rogers Place using uh, the two hotels that were used for the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And the... I believe how it works is uh, five straight days, players are tested. As long as you test negative, all those days you will be free to go uh, participate in team activities, you know, practices, that sort of thing, obviously games. Um, so it's pretty imperative that uh, they get through this next period. Now, like the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs here in Edmonton and Toronto, the bubble situation worked to perfection. There were no there were no cases, and back then there was concern about rising cases here in Edmonton and rising cases in Toronto, uh, but especially here in Edmonton because all of the rounds were played here, um, where the first two rounds it was split between Edmonton and Toronto, but the bubble was maintained. Now you got rising case counts, so a lot of people are going, "How can you play this tournament?" Dr. Dina Hinshaw, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, was asked that question today, and here's, here's her answer. We did see in the summer that we were able to allow the NHL tournament to proceed, uh, and there was no risk to public safety of that tournament. I recognize that 
There are many, many people in this province who would like to be able to play sports right now. Uh, and at the same time, we also recognize that there are many, many people in the province who get great uh, joy and, and interest from being able to watch a uh, world-class competition such as the World Juniors. My team and I have worked with the organizers of the World Junior Hockey Tournament to make sure that their protocols are going to protect public safety, that they will be adequate to make sure that the uh, tournament can proceed in a safe way. And I've made the decision to allow them to proceed based on that rigorous evaluation. So as long as the bubble and the integrity of the bubble is maintained by all 10 teams, this tournament should still go off without a hitch. There's, there should be limited to no issues, hopefully. Hopefully. And I know Hockey Canada has talked about um, tracing apps and talked about apps where, you know, they can track your whereabouts. So if you're going to try and be a dum-dum and leave the bubble, that they'll know. And that would not be good. But you have a 10-team tournament. Uh, you don't want outbreaks happening. I mean, I think they can go down to eight if they had to. But I don't think they want to go down to eight. And definitely you don't want to go b below eight. So hopefully the bubble, if it is maintained, I don't think it's a question of hopefully. I think if the bubble's maintained, if the bubble, if the integrity of the bubble is solid, everyone does what they're supposed to do in the bubble, like we saw in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think this tournament will be very, very successful. All right. Uh, we have Monday Night Football tonight. A big game, too. The Cleveland Browns, who are second in the AFC North behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have lost two straight, and now first place in the AFC North is up for grabs somewhat. If the Browns win, it's really up for grabs. And they're taking on the 7-5 and five Baltimore Ravens, who are in third spot, and they're uh, pushing for a wild-card spot. Uh, NBA basketball exhibition play. Raptors playing their second game. Charlotte Hornets up 60-57. to 57. Kyle Lowry is not in the game. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Fred Van Vliet is picking up Kyle Lowry's slack by picking up a technical in a preseason game. Awesome. Good stuff. 620. Back with more in a moment. the game here Monday Night Football in Cleveland Nick Chubb a seven-yard touchdown run and the Browns leading the Baltimore Ravens seven nothing first quarter that pretty much means my season is over in one of my fantasy leagues as uh, I was up by 15 points going into this game because for the first time one of the rare times this weekend uh, my players decided to do zip or close to it so Nick Chubb and Mark Andrews is who my opponent has in this game. Well, Chubb just scored, so I'm done. Unless he does nothing for the rest of the night, which is what I have to hope for. Yeah, not happening. I was 10-3, and three, for goodness sake. You know, I'm breaking the cardinal rule, Kellen, which is don't talk about your fantasy sports team, your fantasy football team. I'm breaking the rules here. I'm what? breaking the rules. Not good. I think you have a grievance. <laughs> I think you're right. And it is the time of year that you can air the grievance here. <laughs> That's right. Even though, that's it's, even though technically that's the 21st. That, I think Festivus is what on the 21st, is it not? So, I think you're right. Yeah, something like that. Oh, but. We should uh, we should have air your grievance night, air your sports grievance night a week from tonight when Reed's back. Uh, we should do that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we, I, I'm going to have 
to sell Kellen on that, perhaps. So anyway, but I really have to sell Reed on it. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Cowtown Bob. Hi, Dave. I always love when the regulars will text in for me, for the producer as well. That's cool because I love all of you. When, when I listen to the show and hear the regulars texting you, read, I love it. But And especially from Cowtown Bob. Uh, it says the date the NHL is talking about starting is close to the date where I might be able to get a haircut or sit in a bar for a beer in Alberta. Seems like wishful thinking that we could be having non-bubble NHL games taking place in Alberta by mid-January. Yeah, uh, you know, January 13th is the desired date. It could be the 20th. It could be the 27th. It could be first week in like February 5th been banning about. So they want to play 56 games. And if the lowest number of games that they want to realistically play is 48, you got to think it's somewhere in that 13th to 27th range. And I guess if you start early February, you're just going to compress the games more, but yeah, you know, and as long as the health authorities and the governments see the testing protocols that are good with it and the health and safety protocols, then they'll probably let them travel. But that's that's the key right there is will they agree to it? You got any hockey cards laying around? You got any that are worth uh, $1.3 million? No, you don't. No, you don't. But uh, a card of Wayne Gretzky, a rookie card last week sold for it. We'll talk to the guru and much, much more. Ken Reed coming up here on Inside Sports. And soon we'll be seeing Leon Dreisaitl on the ice sometime in the new year with the Edmonton Oilers as the 2021 season will get underway, hopefully January 13th. And you'll hear a lot of Reed Wilkins and Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, Rob Brown, as uh, we hope they get back into it very, very soon. And we should be able to get back into it. Uh, 7-0, the uh, Cleveland Browns leading the Baltimore Ravens with about 5.20 left to go in the first quarter of play. Big game as the Browns are 9-3. and three. And can challenge now with a win, can really put the pressure on the first place Pittsburgh Steelers, who have lost two straight and now would be clinging to first place in the AFC North. The Ravens are seven and five. They're in the wild card hunt in the AFC. Uh, Canadian running back Chuba Hubbard, who is from Sherwood Park, says he's preparing for the 2021 NFL draft. He will not play any more games for Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy, the head coach, told the school's radio pregame show that Hubbard will not be in the Cowboys season finale against Baylor because he had chosen to go to the NFL. Oklahoma State won the game 42-3. to He's had a lot of injury issues as well. Yeah, a lot of uh, ankle problems, that sort of thing. We're going to touch on this more tomorrow. Uh, CFL News, the Riders, they signed uh, Vice President of Football Operations GM Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson, the reigning CFL Coach of the Year from 2019 to two-year contract extension. Also uh, offering two-year contract extensions and accepting our Jason Moss, offensive coordinator, former head coach here in Edmonton, defensive coordinator Jason Shivers as well. Coaching staff will be retained for 2021. William Standback going back to the Montreal Alouettes as he signed a two-year contract, third in the CFL in 2019, 1,048 rushing yards in 2019 led the league with a 6.2 yard rushing average uh james harden is uh grumpy 
Uh, but he's actually uh, practicing with the Houston Rockets after arriving late, going through the COVID protocols before practicing. And uh, reportedly, uh, the Rockets want the moon and the stars and the whole entire universe for Harden, who wants a trade. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers seem to be the suitors, the best suitors for uh, Harden, but the Rockets reportedly want three first-round draft picks and all-star point guard Ben Simmons. Nope, that's not going to happen. And what about this, too? It's been a year of change in sports. Cleveland Indians are going to go through a name change. Saying it's time, Cleveland owner Paul Dolan said after months of internal discussions and meetings with groups, including Native Americans, the American League franchise has decided to get rid of its nickname. However, the switch will not take place in 2021, and the team will be called the Indians until a new name is chosen. In an exclusive interview with the Associated Press, Dolan said, quote, the name is no longer acceptable in our world. As Cleveland considers options for names, Dolan said Tribe, which has been a popular nickname for the club for decades, has been ruled out. I'm Shelley Adler. And I'm sure uh, these headlines are making Sportsnet Central uh, shows a lot busier. And to uh, talk about this in a number of subjects is uh, the fine host of Sportsnet Central, Ken Reed. Kenny, how you doing? Good, Dave. I don't understand how if the name's no longer acceptable, why you're still going to use it for the season. I was just going to ask you that, and I love that you just came out right on the shoot with that, Ken. Um, I, I I had to read that over about two, three times today. I go, no, yeah. wait a minute. Did, did he just say what he actually said? That oh, yeah, we're going to keep it. Uh, is that the old uh, walking contradiction? No, it's, uh, that kind of doesn't make sense. So if it's if the name's the name is unacceptable, but we'll keep using it. Yeah, the yeah, name is unacceptable, but we'll keep using it. And if we don't find another name, well, maybe we'll use it in 2022. We can't be called sounds, the Cleveland yeah. baseball team. What are you talking yeah. about? It sounds like something the government would do, right? That's illegal, but we're not going to make it illegal for another six <laughs> months. So keep doing it. Like just if you're going to stop the tax calling, money. right? If you're going to stop calling them by a certain name, then just stop. You know, but I guess they have yeah, to get rid of I, all their merchandise, right? They probably go out a year's worth of swag, so they have to sell it all. Yeah, how can we how can we sell merchandise with the with the names Indians on it and then not call ourselves the Indians? Well, it's quite simple. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know the, the Washington know. football team did it. Yeah, they did it, and yeah, if, I, I mean football. That's they do whatever they want. So I guess baseball does too. But at least no, uh, refresh my taking this step. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a step in the right direction, but man, it's just weird that we're going to call ourselves this name that we don't find acceptable anymore for one more season, folks. Buy your merchandise at this number. Yeah, you can keep calling us, but it's not right. Okay, okay, it's whatever. Very, it's very whatever. Yeah, I, I took logic. Strange. I took some logic classes back in my day, and I know that would have, that would have not been the correct answer on the logic test. I wouldn't think so. No, uh, it's great to have you on the show again. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm the one that gets to talk to you. Usually it's Reed because he's of course the host of this program and I'm the producer. So I'm involved in sure. the planning, but uh, refresh my memory. How many years did you work in Edmonton? And when did you work in Edmonton? Cause I do remember you obviously, cause we actually <laughs> crossed paths a few times. Quite a few buddy. Uh, end of 05 yeah. till end of 08. So about, okay, so that uh, was the start of, start of uh, let me think, would have been uh, 
right actually right before the Grey Cup win in 05, maybe two weeks before the right. uh, well the Edmonton Football Club won the Grey Cup till uh, early December 08. So three years, three years and change. So, you know, I remember correctly, yeah, Grey Cup, and then yep. the Edmonton football team missed the playoffs for the first time in 34 years, which was a, a big story, obviously. Yeah, it was. was not a very good year. <laughs> the run, the cup run, the go to run to the cup final, I was there for that. That was glorious. That was so much fun. And uh, now now I'm old because there's nobody left in that team anymore, I don't think. Well, maybe a <laughs> couple guys, but, I mean, I do old-timers events with Todd Harvey, and he was on the bench, so, you know, times change. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Um, I know you're a hockey card guru, and I, I've loved your uh, your features you do online, uh, just Thank talking you. about hockey cards. And I love the the one where you talked about the one episode where you talked about what your card is worth and what you have to watch for. Yeah. Um, if you think your if you think your card is worth a lot of money, but if there's that one little blemish that could really knock your value down, well. Mm-hmm. What do you th- what do you think last week when Wayne Gretzky's rookie card oh, uh, sold? Well, well, that, now I'm trying to but, yeah. Go ahead. That's what inspired 1.29 million US, and that's what inspired me to do that because my wife, former CFR and anchor Ashley K, she said, "Well, why don't you do a a bit on what a Gretzky rookie's worth?" Because everybody keeps asking you. So, like I get tons of messages going, "Hey, what's this one worth?" And or my Gretzky's worth this. I go, "No, no, 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 no." So what inspired it was knowing that this Gretzky was probably going to go for over 1 million bucks. So I figured, okay, let's, cause I, I knew it was coming up for auction. It was well known within the card community. So I thought, okay, I'll, uh, I'll show, uh, an ordinary Gretzky and, and I'll let you know what, what it's worth. So I just took in one that I own and everybody always calls me up going, Oh my God, my Gretzky, what's it worth? In fact, I met with a guy a couple of weeks ago who thought he was, you know, he thought he had a Gretzky with a lot of money and I hate breaking hearts, but I, I also have to be honest with people. <laughs> I'm like, see that Ben, see that Ben. And even, and, and, and when it comes right down to the, to the condition, when you're talking to PSA 10, like the one point, that's the one that's sold for 1.29 million. It's mm-hmm. not see that corner. It's see that Nick, see that like slightest blemish that you can't even see. Yeah. That's going to take it down a notch. So yeah, it's uh, it's mind-boggling to me to see a card, a hockey card, go for that much, especially a card that's as readily available as that Gretzky rookie. Um, yeah. The '79 sets in no short supply. I'm sure lots of people listening to this program right now have it, but only two have been graded in uh, PSA 10, and it, it speaks to the power of Wayne Gretzky. I think more than anything. Just to, no question like, about I mean, it. That's a name that transcends hockey, right? Like there's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Mario Lemieux, but does the name Mario Lemieux ring a bell in Hollywood or across? You know, Wayne transcends hockey. That's that's what he did. So um, yeah, it speaks to the power of Wayne and uh, the power of grading and the power of hockey cards. Once again, and sports cards in general. Sports cards are going nuts right now. It's wild. It's like 1990 all over again. Now, tell me with your expertise. So if you, you pull out, if someone listening pulls out and they have a Wayne Gretzky rookie card and they pull it out and they look at it and they go, well, this looks in pretty good condition, but there might be a little bit of a a fray in the corner or just a little bit of a a bend in the corner. How much would that knock the value down? Well, that's the thing, right? So many cards look so great. And I had a friend send me one the other day and they said, what's this worth? And I looked and at first glance, it looks fantastic. And the first thing most people say is, oh, that's mint. I'm like, well, yeah, it isn't. So you got to look at the centering. 
is the pitcher right in the middle of the cardboard, right? Is there more blue on the left or more blue on the right? Top to bottom has it centered. A little nick on the corner. And that Gretzky card, right, that's a 79.80, so it's those blue borders. And your little nicks and defects show right up. So you can have a card that you think is in fantastic shape, and it may only rate a 5 or a 6. I mean, I've got – I got, I had a PSA 8 Gretzky. It looks perfect, but I'd show it around, and guys would be like, oh, that's a weak 8. That shouldn't even be an 8. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have a tops version of the Gretzky Rookie. Now, it sold for 729000 a PSA 10 of the tops, which absolutely blew my mind because the tops is printed on better cardboard stock than the, the OPG, so it, it's thicker, it holds its color better. I have one that is graded a 6, and if you were just to look at it, you'd think it was, on first glance, you'd think that's a perfect card. Well, it's not because the grading process, think of the hardest teacher you ever had who never gave you a break. You know, and then multiply that by about a hundred, and that sums up the grading process. Oh man, which which makes this, yeah. if you call it a business or a hobby, and let's yeah. face it, it's more of a hobby than a business for for so many people. And um, I mean, I tried to do it in the early nineties. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't keep up. It's just, it's too involving. Yeah. You have to spend too much money. You have to have a lot of patience and you have to be told no a lot and understand that, you know, you, you have to do your, your work, your diligence. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you, did you buy sets? Because a lot of people buy sets and some people yeah. buy carts. Yeah, I was a bit of both. I'm more of an individual card guy now, but I bought lots of sets back in the day, but I think with card collecting, um, it can be complicated, but it can also not be complicated. Because if you're just in it to collect what you want, and I always suggest to people collect what you want, then it's fun. Then you don't have to worry about all these new releases and 17 variations of a certain card. And back in the day, let's face it, Dave, it was a lot easier, right? Because it was just an OPG set. And then you had score, upper deck, pro set, Parker's, pro set, platinum, upper deck, upper deck, extended. Then it got a little complicated. But if you just want to keep her simple... Like, there's a, there's a huge market out there for musicians who just play power chords. I mean, look at ACDC, right? Not everybody has to be a symphony. So uh, I consider myself, uh, you know, pretty well-read in, in, as far as hockey cards goes, but I don't know a tenth of what some people know, but I know, I know, hey, I'll put it into football terms for you. Special teams, if I'm on kick return uh, and I'm on defense, I'm staying in my lane. Right. So I just stay in my lane and my lane is older stuff, guys I grew up watching. And that's what I enjoy collecting. And, you know, for me, the Gretzky rookies beyond relatable. So I think I know a few things about it. But, uh, yeah, card collecting can be complicated if you try to do everything. But if you just do what you want, it's, it's actually pretty innocent. Ken Ray joining us from uh, Sportsnet Central here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Ken, uh, I have to applaud you as well because you, you shared your mental health story and it's powerful and i think every time this is done uh by someone who i would say is of influence like like you are i think it has a lot of impact but just tell me about just the the decision to share it because i think that's what it comes down to is just the courage Mm -hmm. um and the will and just the to get to the point where i know i'm going to come out with this and i'm going to i'm going to be open about my struggles thanks dave well yeah it was uh I battled anxiety and depression for a long time. 
And my wife finally convinced me about 10 years ago, go see somebody. This is enough. You know, you can only cry on someone's shoulder so long. I was always open to her about it, but uh, she's not a psychiatrist. So I had to go see somebody that could steer me in the right direction. Now, for the past few years, I've always been very open about it. Uh, for uh, Shane Corson, who I know all your listeners know, Shane's been very open about it. Shane and I do speaking engagements together uh, occasionally on it, and we both go up and admit to the audience, you know, which I always say the difference between Shane and I is he's way better hockey and way better looking than me, but he's older. That's the only difference. Because <laughs> if we were to put our mental health on a, on a chart, it's like we just mirror each other. It's just kind of crazy because, I mean, he's a guy I pretended to play road hockey when I was playing road hockey. I was, road hockey, I was Shane Corson. But, so I've always been open about it with people. And uh, uh, the writer that, that put it together, Peter Mendelson, he contacted me about a month ago. So I'd never so, – because he had seen me tweeting about it on Twitter and I don't know if he'd heard me speak about it or what, but uh, he asked me to do a story on it and – He's like, I worked with Shane before. And the first thing I did was I picked up the call when I called Shane. He's like, yeah, he's a good dude. It's like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. And I kind of mulled it over. And I thought, do I really want to put it out there? Because I don't, I don't want a pity party, right? Like, I don't want to woe is me. I I wanted, if I'm going to put it out there, I wanted it to be kind of like, if I can, I got it too, right? And so please speak to someone if you're hurting. So, um, yeah, it came out in the star on, um, Saturday, and I'm kind of overwhelmed with the response. Um, it's been all positive, and I'm sure there's some people out there that probably certain, think certain things about it, but I can't control that. But um, I'm glad I did it. Um, phone's been ringing off the hook, and lots of messages of support from people. And like I said, I, I put it out there before, and I mean, every a lot of people know about it, but not on this stage. And it's not something I go around advertising, right? Like I don't go around with a with a with a pin that says I suffer from anxiety and depression, that kind of thing. And if 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 you don't know, you don't know. And I encourage anyone that that has anxiety, has depression, has issues to tell someone because none of us do go around with the pin, and nobody will know unless you tell them. And mm. it's it's walking around with a mask on. Like I, like I say, I mask, I, I used to put on my face every day and okay, I can do this. That is exhausting. So yeah. <laughs> I find myself a lot more relaxed now and I still have bad days. Everybody has bad days, but now I'm at least armed with the tools to uh, get myself through a bad day as opposed to just going right into a funk like I used to do. So I'm glad it's yeah. out there and I hope it, Hope it helps some people. I've had some people contact me since it's come out, in fact. So, so that's a good thing. So hopefully it helps. Yeah. Well, that congratulations. And, you know, I think a story like yours can, can help a lot of people. So uh, it's, yeah, it's just awesome. So, I mean, way to go, man. I mean, you're, you're a very open guy. You're a very authentic guy. And uh, I think that's why, um, you know, Reed and I gravitate to you so well, and a lot of people do because because of that authenticity. So that's great. And thank you. One thing before we uh, end up, man, we, we could talk forever here, but we go to, only got about a minute or two left. Uh, you talked about this book, I believe, in the summer, and now it's ready to go. One to remember: stories yeah. from thirty-nine members of the NHL's One Goal Club. I, I love this. Pick it up for Christmas. Yeah, it's out there. So it's. It's just about dudes who scored one goal and one goal only. So, I mean, for dreamers like you and I, Dave, 
you would think, oh my God, that's the greatest story ever, right? All the guys are going to love it. But uh, living in the dream and being a dreamer are two different things. But there's some good Oilers connections in there. There's an Oiler whose single NHL goal was assisted by Gretzky and Curry. And I thought that's the coolest thing ever. And then there's Dennis Bonvey in there, who I know everybody in Edmonton loves. And, and yep. Frank Beaton, who played for the old Edmonton Oilers back in the WHA days. And Frank, of course, has the legendary nickname Never. Then he became seldom, and he retired when he was Frank Always Beaton. So I love that story. But, yeah, it was a fun book to put together. Uh, you know me, Dave. I love my off the off the road hockey stories and that's that's what this one is so it's on amazon and better better yet if you can get to your local bookstore please support them right now because we all need the help right on ken as always great to have you on the show uh thanks for sharing uh again your mental health journey thanks for giving Mm -hmm. us some insight on the on the on the on the gretzky card and the hockey card business and uh Hey, you're you're getting more you're getting busier on your show now. I mean, there's more stuff to Finally, talk about. Buddy. NHL should be back soon. Oh, January 13th. I'm praying I get to do hockey highlights. I like I'm I'm so psyched not to talk about escrow and CBA. I can't wait. <laughs> we would like to defer that to actual games, right? See what I did there? I said oh, defer to actual games. Defer. That was good. That was good. You're thinking, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll defer that as well. Yeah, whatever. Give me some games, man. Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas to you and yours, okay? Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Dave. Merry Christmas to everybody out in Edmonton. Thanks. That is the one and only Ken Reed, uh, anchor for Sportsnet Central. Back in a moment. All right, Monday Night Football. It is 7-7. Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, a five-yard touchdown run. So they're uh, into the second quarter of play. 87-85. Charlotte Hornets lead the Toronto Raptors in exhibition NBA play. That's after three quarters of action regular season will start next uh tuesday blake dermott coming up next in the final edition of the double e coaches show with scott milanovic for uh before christmas that's all to come in the next hour so we got a half hour of inside sports and we got the coaches show with scott milanovic hosted by morley scott i'm dave campbell in for reed wilkins 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.